Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. So let's start with the perennial why question. Question that we ask often. And in particular moments, we are caught in that question. We're caught in the maelstrom of not knowing why something has happened, why it is that these things have occurred. So the why question dogs all of us. The only times after the tsunami that hit the hit Indonesia in 2004, went around to some religious leadership to see what kind of answers they had for the, for the tsunami wiping out so many thousands of people. And what was their answer to the why question? Well, the Buddhists and the Hindu believe in karma. And so they, they just thought that this was karma. Those people who had died had done something that, that, well, what goes around comes around, it was karma. The Muslims thought that this was simply a, an opportunity for the people to learn something. That, that they would, by this tragedy, learn some lessons. The Jews and the Christians responded most appropriately with an I don't know. It's not known. And when the disciples ask, who sinned? His parents? Or somehow this man himself that he was born blind? Who did this? What is the cause and effect? Jesus responded in a way that is a fascinating insight into how Jesus sees the world. Jesus, who is God with us, sees the world not from the beginning forward, but from the end back. And he says, this happened so that God would be glorified. In other words, it's not how we got there, but what does this mean and where are we going? It's not about cause and effect. We know much cause and effect. We know, we know what causes tsunamis. Cause and effect is exceedingly boring sometimes. But what does it mean? What are, where are we going with this? I had a couple in my church in California that I married and um, they became, I've shared this before, but they came, became pregnant with triplets. And the doctor recommended a reduction so as to enhance the viability of the children in the womb. And I was in a place where I could exchange some back and forth on Facebook with this couple on the occasion of one of the birthdays. And on this particular birthday, there was a picture of all three of those boys. And um, and I just commented, what a beautiful, beautiful family. And she commented back, 
to an event that I don't even recall. But she said, I just wish I had recorded the time when you were in the hospital room with us. I don't know what I did, what I said, but I do know. I don't know why we have children born into this world as they are. I don't know why all of a sudden, I know cause and effect kind of biologically why triplets come. But I don't, I don't know why about so many things in life, but I do know that God was glorified. And that family and the, the beautiful family that, that emerged from a time of deep and profound crisis. We don't know why. But Jesus points us beyond looking backwards because we can do nothing about what's already happened. We can't go back and change anything. But we can take where we are, what God has done with us and for us, and, and where we are right now, and, and we can begin to do things in response to what God has allowed us in our lives. You know, he either ordains it or allows it. But nothing is happening outside of God's sovereign care and his love. And so here's this young man. <laughs> Jesus, I'm sure he was wondering what on earth was going on. Jesus, like with the woman caught in adultery, is down in the dirt again, this time to make mud. Puts it on his eyes. And he goes to the pool of Siloam. He's blind. He probably knows how to get there on his own, but I'm sure he had people going with him. He goes and he washes it out. There are phantom movements around him. And in a brief period of time, they begin to come into focus. It's his family, his friends, people of his community. At some point, he had to simply stop and announce, I can see you. Hugs, kisses, all of that joy that happens when God does his work. And, and they are so overwhelmed with joy that this boy has been healed. I don't know if they remember at that moment to give glory to God, but God gets the glory no matter what. It's like, when we, in relationship with our children, when we see our children having a great time in life and playing hard and having so much fun and laughing, we don't need credit. <laughs> We're already so happy that our kids are having fun. I think that God looks down at those moments and he's glorified by the reality of what's going on. So far, so good. Wonderful story. Oh, but it happened on a Sunday. Pardon me, Saturday. Happened on the Sabbath day. And so those with an agenda are up to get Jesus. Make sure this man goes to the Pharisees. Tell the denominational authorities what's going on. And they will see that, that this was not a good thing that has happened. However wonderful this event was, this was not a good thing that happened. And he goes and he tells Michael, I was blind, but I can see. I don't know how. I don't even know who this person was. 
If you want to know who it is, you go find out who it was. You want to know so much about him? What, you want to worship him too? Great. And they throw him out. Because he wasn't, he wasn't operating by their agenda. He wasn't playing by their rules. He wasn't do, doing things according to their particular narrative about life. And because Jesus constituted a threat to their life, livelihood, and their association with Roman power, Jesus was a huge threat. A threat. And there was no, there was no toleration of anyone who, who broke away from the narrative, the story, the, the reality of their power. You know, self-righteousness feeds on doctrine and works. The Pharisees were infamous for having their doctrines all tight and neatly wound up and, and presentable to anyone who would dare to ask. And they were so proud of their works. They were so proud of the fact that they would never make mud on a, on a Saturday afternoon. They were so proud, their self-righteousness gave them a sense of exclusivity and above others and holier than thou. All of that stuff of self-righteousness. And it's, it's an offense that Jesus broke the agenda, that Jesus didn't go by their rules, that he didn't do it their way. Speaking of my home in Ventura, where those children were born, I guess that the city council in Ventura has just voted to take down a statue erected in 1935 of Father Junipero Serra. Now, Serra was a missionary. His primary intent was to bring the gospel to California. And the missions of California are all attributable to his, his work. And whatever, whatever happened in those missions, whatever sins occurred, whatever abuses occurred, I mean, that's past. That's then. But in 1935, artist came forward and, and provided a rendering and he went to all of this work and one of the old timers in Ventura talked to me once when we were down by City Hall and we looked at the statue and he said you should you should have seen the uh, dedication here there are children singing you know the priests were all here and they're all decked out and, and the city city fathers and city mothers were all there and there was this huge celebration and right down City Hall's street that goes down to the ocean so you could see people all the way down and and they had no say in this vote they had no vote the little kids who sang in the choir 
Maybe some were still around the community, but they were, they had no say in the vote to take down the statue. The artist is long gone. They had no vote. And, and what we see is a, a, a new form of self-righteousness that is based in a new form of doctrine and a new kind of work or works. Protests around that statue from June up until the present time and the city council caved. And this is going on, as you know, all over the country. But it strikes me that this reflects an arrogance that is spoken of by G.K. Chesterton. He said, tradition refuses to submit to the small and arrogant oligarchy of those who merely happen to be walking about. Those who happen to be walking about now are making decisions for thousands of people who went before simply because that tradition doesn't fit the current narrative. Because the traditions of, of our nation, the traditions of our faith, no longer work, it no longer fits in. So we have, we have an oligarchy, those who would throw it all cast it all away without taking due respect to those who have gone before us. What in the book of Hebrews is called that great cloud of witnesses. Those who have come before us. Now when Jesus says what he does about how this man was born blind, he was responding to the question about sin. And the reality is, sin is universal in the human family. So the reality is that sin is not the relevant consideration. What is relevant is not what they did. What is relevant is what God is going to do. What will God do? What is out in front of us? Where are we going? What does this mean for us as a people? There was a young man who was forced under a ship, went to the east coast of Africa, and then to the east coast, pardon the west coast of Africa, and then the east coast of the United States, South Carolina. He was involved in the slave trade. And he was into it. He did what he had to do. And he became an ardent slave trader. And he, he knew, he knew what he was doing was important. He knew what he was doing was right. 
He was like those Pharisees caught up in a doctrinaire works that was convinced of their rightness. He knew he was right. And then God got a hold of him, opened his eyes. And he, he became a Christian. He became a follower of Christ. And he joined up with William Wilberforce in Great Britain to try to do what he could in what small way he possibly could overthrow this horrific reality of the slave trade. And he said at the end of his life, he said, my memory's starting to go. But two things, two things I know. I am a great sinner. And Jesus is a great savior. He says, I was blind, but now I see. Before we sing his hymn, let's bow together in prayer. Oh Lord Jesus, may we know that we are and will one day be joined with that great cloud of witnesses that has gone before us, every one of them sinners just like us. Some ways worse, some ways better. There are none that are righteous, not one. And may we not succumb to the pressures of self-righteousness, judgmentalism. May we not succumb to hatred. May we instead be joyful and grateful for the grace that you have given to us. For you are a great Savior. And we pray in your name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.